Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britton. And uh, it's it's spooky season, guys. Yeah, we're start. We're we have declared back. it. Yeah, we're back. We're doing a, a franchise and uh, get get uh, get the cobwebs and the big old pumpkin because broomsticks, broomsticks, on and witches' eyeballs, which are pots of boiling potions and a bat. Alex, what yeah. spooky stuff can you think of? Nothing is spookier than baseball. Thank you. Oh God! I mean, listen, I losing that much top part that much of my day. It sure is. That was mean. Uh, they try really hard out there. Hey, hey, hey! Sorry, baseball guys. <laughs> I'll, I'll joke. It's not really a joke. My um, a football fantasy league. Now that's spooky. <laughs> hey guys, how, why does everyone say Halloween's a spooky season? You know what I'd say is tax season. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's Halloween times or not, but we're gonna start it now. Close enough. Yeah, close enough. And we we did not this year give ourselves a twelve movie. That's also swamp. True. We yeah this this year we <coughs> did not uh, burn ourselves out and then unburn ourselves out and then burn well, ourselves out yeah, again. Yeah, they didn't have on a franchise. Th- this, this year we're not having to put me on a sledge labeled <laughs> labeled Buster Rhymes and Tyler and Alex drag me through the snow. Hold on, Britain. I mean, yeah, we had some inclement weather. I'll grant you that. But there were only two weeks where we were in a swamp. I guess. But it's not like mm. it's not like the swamp mm. then emptied us out into, like, Eden. Look, I would only describe a Rob Zombie movie as a swamp, okay? I would. It no, was, yeah, that's true. I wouldn't it, it was swampy or swamp adjacent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a large it was always humid. Experience. Yeah. So. Spooky season should not be humid. No. You got, you got to have... A spooky chill in the air. Exactly. Of, and the cold for. steel of a killer's knife, uh, yeah. like on the poster for this movie. Yeah. The movie we're talking about is Scream. Yeah. Alex, numbers, please. Oh, okay. Sure. That's how it goes, right? Scream, 1996, ah! directed by... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> directed Sorry. by Wes Craven. It has a 79% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 79% audience score. Interesting. I thought it'd be higher on the audience side. All right. I, I was talking with Britton about this earlier. Uh, the the poster for this film baffles the heck out of me. Everyone's, and by everyone, I mean the two guys on the poster, their facial hair is inaccurate. Yeah. Ski- I've well. been duped. I want my money back. Steve Ulrich is pitched as having facial hair, and David Arquette is pitched as not. In the film, there is a character piece that Detective or Deputy Dewey has a mustache. I'm not sure if this, uh, if Scream started this trend, and of course, you know, we could talk about it revitalizing the slasher genre and all that. Um, but I just remember like a string of posters in like the late '90s, early aughts that were like this, where it's just. We've got some generic horror-esque image kind yeah. of in the background. And then we've just got a bunch of just like promotional photos of the cast. And it doesn't look great. I feel and like, was H2O maybe had that? One of the Halloween I think movies? both H2O and Resurrection yeah, had that. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's bad. And I don't know. 
Honestly, I don't know if horror movies are still making bad posters or not. I don't look at marketing for horror movies very much aside from this podcast. Well, the poster or what we've done for the the, the other like the main one where it's uh, the terrified face and the hand is black and white and there's a face with a hand covering the face's mouth like that's that's good. I like that. Sure. Yeah, just do that. Yeah. Scream is the I just looked up uh horror movie posters and scrolling through I do feel like Scream is the only one that's really like doing that. So I don't know, but it is also the entire movie is kind of tongue in cheek, so maybe it's supposed to look like a bad poster. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. It's hard to that's hard true. to read. Yeah, but easy to read is the synopsis because it's one sentence. Uh-huh. Uh, a, oh. a year after the murder of her mother, a teenage girl is terrorized by a new killer who targets the girl and her friends by using horror films as part of a deadly game. Ooh. Yeah, uh, this movie's great. I really mm-hmm. like it. I've seen it one time before, and I still really like it. It's awesome. I will also say I, I had a, an, a weird sort of um, association for a long time with the Scream mask because I... I don't know the first time I ever saw it, but I remember seeing a trailer for, I guess, one of the scary movies where they were doing the what that thing. Yeah. And the guy, the scream mask guy was doing that. And so I think for a while I was like, oh, that that's a mask from a comedy. Like that's the right. scream mask is a joke. And then realizing, no, it's actually from a horror movie. But one of the things I like about this movie is that they don't go out of their way to make that killer look that scary. Like they're trying like. Right. I, I don't know. I don't find this movie scary, quote unquote. I find it tense and I find it just really interesting and great. But I don't find the scream killer scary, which I don't hold against the movie. I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. And I have uh, entered the first uh, discussion point in our seminar today. And I uh, get one podcast point. Write that down. All right. All right. <laughs> Off to a healthy competition yeah. here. Um, Maybe redeem that for a notepad. Senator Alex, your response. <laughs> uh, candidate Alex, I haven't been elected. <laughs> oh, then why are you? Is this a town hall? Weird. <laughs> um, that would explain no, why I, I'm so casual on the stool. <laughs> uh, I've seen the first Scream at least a few times. Um, I think there was one point where I kind of watched the first four in pretty quick succession, and I haven't seen the fifth one. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's really solid. I think, um, part of the charm has worn off on me just because I've seen a lot of other horror films past this. So I feel like there are certain films that have kind of topped what this is trying to do in terms of, um, you know, poking fun at horror tropes and, you know, deconstructing the genre. Yeah. Uh, people just don't want their horror films deconstructed. Uh, right. Cabin in the Woods comes to mind, um, and I think ultimately that is probably more successful. Um, this movie is just a lot of finger pointing and going, "Isn't that funny? Isn't that isn't the horror trope kind of stupid?" I, I do think there's a lot to this movie, and I, I think it's very well mm-hmm. made. And of course, Wes Craven is is good at making the horror films. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it wasn't amazing to me, but at the same time, I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's doing a very nice job of taking itself seriously. Like, the story is serious, right. and it doesn't treat its characters like jokes, but it then allows itself to kind of play with genre tropes and kind of make fun of them. I, I, I feel like one of the things I like about this movie is that it's not a parody. Um, yeah. Like, it doesn't feel like a spoof, and it doesn't even really feel like it's 
making fun of tropes so much as it is acknowledging them and like in some ways pointing out like yeah it's a little silly but it, it I, I think the word trope has a weird stigma to it where we all assume like oh if something is a trope that means that it's bad and that's not always true <laughs> um you could say that a movie having credits is a trope at this point also legally required but I, I, are, are you trying to tell me that James Bond movie should not have the gun barrel opening sure, because it's sure. a trope? Exactly. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And I think that there are movies that rely on tropes in a way that is uninspired and is kind of insulting to the audience. They're like, ah, just do that thing. No one cares. And then, uh, see Halloween 2, <laughs> Halloween 5, Halloween 6, Halloween H2O, yeah. mm-hmm. kind of, Halloween Resurrection. And then there are movies that go, hey, we're going to do this thing. We all know it, but that's the fun of it. That's the fun. Especially with, with genres that have such conventions to them, like rom-coms or action movies, spy thrillers, uh, uh, slasher films, where yeah. they're like, we all kind of know the rules, so let's let's have fun with it. And they know how to do it with style, and they have a lot. They enjoy it. And I think this movie is doing that thing, but it's also just talking about how it's doing that thing. And I think the fact that the movie is so overt works for me. The fact that they're just straight up. Uh, 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 Jamie Kennedy was watching Halloween. He's like, behind you. He's behind you, Jamie Lee. He's behind you. And a scream killer is behind him. Mm-hmm. Like, I love it. I love that it's that on the nose. I love that it's that like, yeah, come on. We're doing it. It's fun. This is fun. And- <laughs> we're having a good time here. It. Because it's Wes Craven, it does have a compelling slasher movie plot and mystery and resolution. Like, the the foundation of the movie <clears throat> is a creative, well-done slasher film that would just stand on its own anyway. Yeah. But then you have this layer of it being like, hey, we're kind of acknowledging all these tropes because we know we if we just do that, it's going to be boring. We have to innovate and we have to do something new and creative with it uh in order to you know keep audiences satisfied and it like i really think you know definitely movies since this movie have gone a long way in kind of continuing to deconstruct horror tropes and like digging even further into uh what this movie was kind of getting at including some of the sequels of this i i have seen the first four i don't remember the other ones clearly enough to know like i don't think any of them are necessarily going to come across to us as like better than this one but i do know that they dive deeper into those layers uh and so like that this is the beginning of i think a lot of movies really digging into that um the other ones i think of are like the happy death day movies um i believe i recommended last year a movie we watched that i now cannot remember the name uh, of freaky yes freaky with uh vince vaughn and somebody else Catherine Newton, maybe? Sure. Um, And that was a good one. Uh, And and the ultimate deconstruction of horror, Unhinged. Yeah. There it is. That's Well, Unhinged is just a a pure throwback. That's just a straight (laughs) classic right back to the the halcyon days of Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger. This movie, though... I think it, it's 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 really like throwing down a gauntlet of like, all right, we've churned out two decades of crappy slasher movies, falling off the success of a few really good ones. It's time to innovate. Like, you can poke a hole in every single element of all these movies. Here's sort of a a twist on it in that the 
killers are obsessed with those movies. And also, it is compelling in the way that the mystery unravels, and it's not just as straightforward as, like, okay, there's just this this evil guy who's going around killing everyone, and they eventually have to stop him. Um, that, I think, all makes the movie really work and be successful beyond just pointing out the tropes. It also kind of plays with them and, and lays something on top of them uh, and really sets a new standard for, like, you can't just do the same thing again moving forward like if you do it again then this is the idea i think behind this is really to like make these reveal the the magic trick uh to the audience and make it very clear like this is this is why these things happen in the movies that you watch next time you see one of these movies it's going to be more obvious um so i think that in that regard it's it's really very successful and i like it quite a bit yeah, and I would definitely rather watch something like this that has a love for the thing that it's discussing mm-hmm. than like one of the scary movies or something that's just like, we're going to do jokes and just use horror things as the characters in that joke. Like, right. what if the orcs were gay? Like, shut up. That's not anything, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Not that scary movie did watch, that, but, you know. You don't want to watch the instant classic A Haunted House mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. A Haunted House 2. Or Meet the Spartans. Or epic movie. We can keep this going. Tyler, you got one? Emoji movie? (laughs) I mean, it's probably the same quality. (laughs) Mank? (laughs) Yeah, I... uh, Uh, Yeah, I also imagine there hadn't been that many movies made on on this, like, studio level like this before. Right. So I imagine it's pretty easy, or easier to parody something and be like oh my god this is or not parody it's not a parody but you know ha- have this kind of a movie happen and, and establish these rules of horror and talk about it because people wouldn't have been so oversaturated with this stuff whereas now and i th- again i think scream is great and i'm looking forward to seeing the newest one like I-, I was actually thinking about this earlier about Spaceballs, which i haven't seen in a long time but most of the jokes from that that i know of are so so limp and so nothing like the yoga, the Yoda parody is named yogurt. Like that's what do you? Mm-hmm, you're, mm-hmm. you're Mel Brooks. Like do something. Come on, and like it's just nothing. But it was made like pretty soon after Return of the Jedi, so we didn't have every YouTuber on the planet doing a Star Wars spoof, quote unquote. So like it now we're so inundated with irony and quote unquote satire that I think it's harder to make stuff like that now or make it yeah. land anyway. Um, Unless maybe you take an angle that is actually, I don't know, cerebral to some degree. Um, and I think that's the thing that that works better, it just in general. But it's also just not uh, as clouding, or it's not crowding the marketplace as much. And this was made at a time when uh, horror films were kind of dying sure. as a genre. Like Halloween 6 was the year before this. And I know there were a couple that were kind of you know, crashing and burning around the same time, I think. Texas Chainsaw um, maybe went straight to video at that point. I can't remember. Or they had sure. a movie that was like held from release for a couple of years. It, and that might be the one with Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger, if I remember correctly. Um, the Leprechaun movies, I think, were dying around this point. Uh, Hellraiser was dying around this point. Um, so, yeah, this this really was kind of the uh, the breath of fresh air that was needed. One right around the corner was Titanic, and then it was just boat movies for... 15 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We all remember that. 
Like in Gladiator when he went Look, on a boat. Brittany, Brittany, you can't open us up like that. Do not, do not drag the Titanic back into this. But it, I mean, it's a part of everything, Alex. Uh, I don't know what to say. Um, (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) But I I also, I I don't know. I I like this movie because I think it works. I think it works as a slasher movie. I think it stands as a slasher movie. And I, like I said, I don't, I'm not, I don't find it scary, but I do find it very tense. Um, at times, I really love the way Wes Craven frames things where constantly, mm-hmm. particularly with Drew Barrymore and then during the first phone call with Nev Campbell, he leaves the frame open enough that I'm looking behind them and like, okay, who's out that window? Do I see something in the trees? Is there someone coming up behind it? Like, not that that usually happens, but there's something he knows how to frame it. And he's also staged the scene in a way that you're like, oh, there could be something in the back. And I think the way this movie can make it harder to appreciate other horror movies, horror movies make it really easy to appreciate what he's doing with this. Um, I just think it's pretty small cool. shot. He, he also lets sequences just kind of breathe. Yep. There's not just like a ton of quick cuts and you, you can't really tell what's happening. You get a really good sense of the geography of, you know, yeah. wherever somebody's being hunted. Um, like the whole bit with Drew Barrymore at the beginning of the house, they're like there's just long tracking shots, yeah. just kind of following her throughout as mm-hmm. she's making popcorn and picking up the phone and going to the TV and all that, and it it really really does a good job of of building up atmosphere, uh, um, yeah. Which you would think would be hard to do. It's just in a house, right? Pretty effective, but and well, that yeah. and it's such a like microcosm. It's like it's almost a. Okay, if I'm about to spend a lot of time kind of poking fun at this genre and, uh, you know, breaking it down and having a movie that talks about the fact that it is a slasher movie, I might as well uh, first show you that I can actually do this, like that I can I can do something that's really effective, and it's just a super well done cold open. Uh, I think probably 15 minutes or so. Uh, that is just following Drew Barrymore getting stopped and ultimately killed by our our killer. And so it's like, I'm going to establish the threat. I'm going to establish the stakes. I'm going to show that this can be done really, really effectively. But also in doing that, it's kind of like, okay, great. Now, now what do you do from here? Which is the entire problem with the genre is like, sure. once you kind of see it, it's like, all right, that was really well done. It was tense. It's atmospheric. Now, the 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 formula so far has been do that like three or four more times and then end with a confrontation in which the killers get killed or the killer is is killed instead um so it's it's immediately kind of setting the ground and the foundation for this is i i could do this if i wanted to but i want to do something more interesting yeah. than this um and i think that's a really effective way to handle it uh, and obviously they play with this scene in particular a lot in the sequels as well uh which i think is uh a good a good place to take it so oh i also we we haven't done the nightmare on elm street movies right. i know that Wes craven's new nightmare which was a few years before this had some if i understand it correctly that's kind of like maybe where he he got the bug to want to make something that's more uh subversive subversive than just another slasher movie. Um, yeah. So maybe we'll have to get around to that at some point, but yeah, there's a lot of, uh, very meta story elements in that movie. 
it's neat. Yeah, this movie does also have a cameo from a janitor who is uh, basically Freddy Krueger, and that's cute. That's Wes Craven. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. I did not realize that. It also has Henry Winkler I meant- as a very creepy yes, principal. <laughs> yeah, Wes Craven plays Fred the janitor. Yeah, is, okay. It's nice. And he's wearing the yeah. sweater yeah. and... And a hat. A hat, and it's good stuff. Yeah, it's cute. I meant to look up who that, <clears throat> who that actually was, because I assumed it was either him or the actual uh, actor who played Freddy Krueger originally. But but yeah, the Fonz gets stabbed. I was very upset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it will... He also... I will say, I don't think the Fonz would touch a student's chin like he touches Nev Campbell's and then fake, like, drag a knife around another teen's throat. I think the Fonz is better than that. But principal, <laughs> well, the, whatever. I, I thought it was fun that Henry Look, jumping the shark did a number on him, okay? <laughs> sure. Some Fair. people don't recover from that. <laughs> I would know. I've tried it. <laughs> sure. The uh... Never recovered. <laughs> the yeah they what's the hypothesis where they're talking about everyone's motives and like trying to like get into motives and saying like oh maybe uh billy snapped after like not getting to uh touch <laughs> uh <laughs> what is sydney S- yes sydney um and I don't know. I was going somewhere with Jump to the Shark with that. We're all very tired, If you, in case you can't tell. Uh, very good content, I'm sure, we're making here. Um, but I was going to say, uh, that is one thing. I think the movie does a really effective job, as well, of building up the mystery of who exactly it is. Because uh, I think we had all seen this before, uh, maybe several times. And so, like, not as big of a surprise, <laughs> obviously, if we're coming into this again and rewatching and being like, yeah, we know who the killers are. Um but watching this through and trying to like put myself in the mindset of when I had first seen it, uh, it introduces so many good potential red herrings and then like has conversations about who the red herrings are between, uh, Randy and, um, Uh, Matthew Lillard, uh, Stu, Stu, Stu. One like her dad, Sydney's Um, dad too. Yeah, because they introduced like, oh, Sydney's dad disappeared. Where what, did he snap yeah. because something happened to his wife, or did he kill his wife uh, secretly? Because also, <laughs> Lev Schreiber, Lev yeah. Schreiber is in this as uh, Cotton like, Weary in in a uh, cameo over a old TV yeah. set, <laughs> basically. Uh, which I believe he comes in to the sequels okay. down the line, but like uh, yeah. that is a weird. And like, it's funny. Okay. I mean, at this point, he wasn't Ray Donovan yet, right? He wasn't. He sure. wasn't. Tony Winner or Lee F. Schreiber. Sabretooth. Yeah. Uh, or, or what have you. Um, he's good in that movie. Uh, I mean, he's actor. the best. No, he is He is genuinely the best yes. part of that movie. He's, it's <laughs> true. Tony winning actor. He's a good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it introduces, like, yeah, her, her dad, uh, Henry Winkler, is, like, throwing around a knife. Uh, or not knife. It's uh, scissors yeah. that he's, like, clicking back and forth because he's cutting the mask off that the kids are using as the prank. Uh, and that's like, he's very menacing in the way he's doing that. Yeah. And kind of like, uh, seems a little unhinged himself. Um, and then you have obviously all the, the kids it's like, okay, Billy gets caught. Is it him? Did was, you know, cause he was there when, uh, Sydney first encountered the ghost face killer. Uh, and then they like set up the alibi kind of with him 
And then we don't really have a reason to suspect Stu for most of the movie. Uh, they show they have a bit where uh, in the bathroom, Cindy sees the boot come down. And then later on, we focus in on that being a boot that's very similar to what the police chief is wearing. Uh, there, There's all sorts of little... And, of course, the killer's obsessed with movies, and so we have Randy, who's yeah. obsessed with horror movies. Uh, so I think that is a really, really well-done element to this, of just, like, throwing all these out here, out there. And then the fact that it's two killers working together really makes it impossible to say, like, oh, I totally got that. You know, I totally predicted this, this is exactly what I, how I thought it was going to go. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's possible to um, on a first watch of this, but it makes it so that it keeps you guessing pretty much through the end of the movie. And you're probably not going to end up on exactly what the, the right answer is. Plus we have uh, Billy get stabbed. Uh, ac- or not accidentally. Billy get fake stabbed uh, yeah. kind of at the climax of the movie. <clears throat> um, and then he, he has his turn. Um, so that is another like wrinkle to just continue to keep you like, okay, so I guess it was Stu the whole time yeah. or whatever you think so yeah i think the mystery at the heart of this is just genuinely really well done on top of how it's also like interrogating itself and interrogating why the mystery works and like the rules of horror movies and getting into all these things I, it, it is a really smartly laid out movie that just has a lot going on absolutely yeah i uh i i, I enjoy all of that and i I can't remember the first time I saw it if I was surprised by the answer or just sort of entertained by it. Like, oh, it was them. Cool. Like, because this is the kind of movie that if they had made it someone really obvious, I would have gone, yeah, sure. That's what we're doing here. We're talking about your sort of right. standard. And if they made it something really crazy, I would go, that works too. They're subverting it and doing right. something. To- Whatever. Um, like, I like that the movie subverts things. I like that there's no nudity in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. while they are talking about obligatory nude shots and stuff, you'll see like Nev Campbell take off her shirt, but then when she removes her bra, like that's when Skeet Ulrich is in the frame in front of her. So mm-hmm. like the movie's very like, we're not going to do that. We're not, that's not what kind of movie this is. These characters are not going to be over-sexualized. Um, <clears throat> despite uh, Skeet Ulrich and Nev Campbell doing the very 90s hairstyle of some strands of hair just hang away from their head. Right. Uh, but don't get me wrong, it works. Um, mm-hmm. 90s Nev Campbell is powerful uh, and so is 90s Skeet Ulrich um, yeah. and current Skeet Ulrich uh, yeah. I like this cast a lot I really enjoy mm-hmm. watching all these kids I, Skeet Ulrich is maybe my favorite performance on the two seasons of Riverdale that I've seen um, he's not doing Who? Some, he plays uh, Jughead's dad oh yeah. huh and he's not that different from what he's doing in in screen, Interesting. but I like. Is it. he in like the first season? Yeah. Okay. He like runs. I, like, I was kind of like, thinking runs a biker gang or something. Yeah. Okay. I I was kind of thinking it looked familiar to me. Yeah. Uh, and not just because I've seen the movie before. Sure. And I've seen a season and some change of Riverdale. Right. He, <laughs> so, and, okay. and he looks fantastic. And he's and he get, he's still doing the like I'm gonna kind of glare at you and speak very like ominously mm-hmm. about whatever I'm talking about, even if it's just, I got to get to class. I mean, right. I love it. I think it's super delightful. Um, I love Matthew Lillard in this movie. Mm-hmm. I love him in it. And here's the thing. Here's why this a sign that this movie works. 
if this were one of the Halloween sequels, I would hate that character. I'd be so right. an, be so <laughs> so annoying, way over the top. Matthew Lillard like finds the tone of this movie and knows just how much to expand it, and then he stops there and he just parties, and it's so much fun. And he does a lot of what I would call tongue acting, which is normally not something I encourage in actors or want. He makes it work. It should be mm-hmm. so, but he's just like he's he's doing all these ridiculous like facial expressions. His neck cords are popping out, and he's like bugging his eyes everywhere, and he's doing all these crazy gestures. But it's so much fun. I think he's so good in this. I just yeah, man, it's it's fascinating between this performance and his Shaggy performance mm-hmm. of like, wow, you really. I I don't you know particularly for the Scooby Doo movies the other elements at play here all right some sure. of them work some of them don't but he reads he gets that temperature perfectly measured truly yeah. like he knows how to just play to the ceiling but he stays on the floor you know what I mean like yeah. he's just he knows I don't know he just really calibrates it right I think mm-hmm. he's just fantastic yeah and he is he's playing the character that would be the super obnoxious character yeah. that we would complain about in one of the late Halloween sequels uh and that i I think again it's he ends up being one of the killers yeah uh and that makes it work even better mm-hmm. um especially because he's so earnest kind of the entire way through like watching it again and knowing that he's one of the killers yeah. the like there's a a bit where he does a fist pump after getting um Sydney and yeah, her friend, his name I forget. Uh, Tatum. Yeah, Rose, McG- Tatum. Rose McGowan. Yeah, uh, Tatum Channing. Uh, <laughs> getting the two of them to uh, agree to come to his party. He does like a little fist pump as he walks away, and it's like, oh, he's like pumped that he's gonna get to kill. Him right, <laughs> <Yeah>. that's upsetting <laughs> uh, because he is the entire time he's so like just unhinged and uh, we said unhinged four times in this uh and russell Crowe's not even in the movie and we'll, um, we'll keep saying it we will keep saying it every uh, episode and then we'll do unhinged as our halloween episode it'll be great uh <laughs> give it a c plus for yes, courtesy tap. Uh, for courtesy tap. <laughs> yeah um <laughs> they uh <laughs> or matthew lillard and this like he just plays it as this like totally off the deep end teen who is just excited about murdering people. Uh, and I mean, they, they mention in the end like, Oh, well it's scary if they don't have a motive. Um, although then Billy kind of gives a bit of backstory that informs it. And you can even see on Matthew Lillard's performance there that like when he realizes Billy does have more of a reason for this, then he's kind of like, Oh, I'm a little bit like, sad that you actually have a purpose i thought we were just having fun and and killing guys um so uh yeah it's it's fantastic and the entire cast and the cast and the characters like the way they're written i think is just superb yeah uh it it makes it's what helps this franchise last because again uh i mean we went through this with halloween uh where you have Jamie Lee Curtis is like, okay, she's the only star. Everyone else eventually gets killed off, except maybe Loomis. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's still floating around in the background, uh, which this movie does have. Uh, Billy Loomis mm-hmm. is his name. That's that's fun. Um, but uh, those movies have, and, and most slasher movies that last for a long franchises, it's like the cast of characters turns over eventually. Like Jamie Lee Curtis yeah. gets written out of some of those, and then she comes back in when they do reboots. Uh, 
and they don't she's like the only person who really stands whereas scream it is uh sydney and gail weathers and um david arquette like Dewey. yeah dewey they're all like core characters who keep coming like returning yeah. to these movies um and that's really fun and creates a different vibe for this franchise that you get history built up with these characters right. and they're not just getting murdered off uh, because we need to kill off all the, the characters except for our scream queen by the end of the movie. Like it, it, that I think is a testament to how well this movie sets up the foundation for future sequels to actually be good. Sure. <laughs> and I like it. Yeah. I like, uh, I like Courtney Cox in this. Um, I really, mm-hmm. I think David Arquette's actually pretty good in it. Mm-hmm. I think he, uh, I like his little mustache. And I like the thing about dad said, you have to call me deputy when I'm in this uniform (laughs) that like, he's such a kid, but he's like really gung ho about it. But I like that they find the humor within that without turning Dewey into a straight up joke. You know, you're like, no, he's, he's trying. He means it. He wants to do a good job and he's not a bad cop. He's just like, he's just green. (laughs) Um, Yeah. They find the humor within that without making him the joke, which I like. Um, I don't know if it's ever been, like, discussed by, like, nerds on the interwebs or whatever, doing their fan casts. Mm-hmm. Um, like us. I was watching Courtney Cox going, why was she not ever Lois Lane? Mm. Yeah. It's pretty much what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. That really bothers me. Also, her hairstyle doesn't match the poster. Come on, guys! When, I don't know that she would have been able to be one of the Lois Lanes, though. Yeah, I was going to say the answer to that is because Warner Brothers can never just like be be effective at making superhero movies. Yeah, and the timelines and everything. She would have. So they Cor- of course, I'll probably one... go back and look at it and like, oh, the Tim Burton one with Nicolas Cage. She was supposed to be right. Lois Lane. Or, you know. Sure. But yeah, she was quite good. And I, I like the interplay between her and David Arquette. And sure. of course, they ended up getting married in real life. And you can kind of see the chemistry um, mm-hmm. on the screen. And I um, like seeing character actor W. Earl Brown from Deadwood as Kenny, mm-hmm. the uh, the um, now bloodless cameraman, tragic tragically ended cameraman. Man, that, who, that that was one the one death where I was like, all right, that you didn't have to. Yeah, do I don't want to lose Kenny. You didn't have to do Kenny. Well, that, that way. That's another great little moment though, where they set up the they kind of have the the Chekhov's camera, uh, where they have the camera that they set up. Uh, Courtney Cox sneaks it into the uh, main area where they're all watching movies uh, and they establish that it's going to be on a 30 second delay from getting from that to the van. And so then they, they see, Oh crap, the killer's behind uh, Randy on the couch, open the van and start to get out. And then Kenny's like, Oh wait, the door's open to the house. The killer's out here. And then the killer gets him Um, again, really creative. That's, that's a kill that the the movie the movie when it does kill somebody is effective with it uh like drew barrymore getting yeah. uh <laughs> murdered by a garage door with a cat or, flap. that was uh, rose mcgallan or not drew Barrymore. uh tatum channing yeah gets murdered yeah that's gruesome well, I, this flap. movie does have some murder pranks mm-hmm. uh, apparently mm-hmm. they had to like pretty substantially cut that down otherwise they were going to get an nc-17 apparently the way they shot it was oh wow. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty gruesome as is, so I can imagine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, like he leaves uh, Drew Barrymore at the beginning, hung up, and for her parents to find, and then he puts Kenny on top of a car, and um, yeah, and all that stuff. 
Yeah, real quick. So I, I, this is a fairly common fact, but I'll, I'll just throw it out there because it's interesting with the whole, you know, with the time that this movie came out and kind of the the meta aspects to it. Um, I think it was Drew Barrymore's idea to be the first kill. Huh. Originally, they wanted her to be the star. Hmm. And she was like, no, 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 no. I, you've got a, you know, you've got a relatively unknown cast. Keep them as the main characters and everyone will be shocked when I die. Yeah. Yeah. And that so worked. That came from her. Well, and that, that's really great, too, for especially that time period when it was easier to do that kind of stuff under wraps. Yeah. Because um, right. I remember people talk tell that story a lot is people went in assuming Drew Barrymore was the lead and she was focused on all the marketing and everything. And so then very quickly, you're like, I don't know what to expect from this movie. Yeah, which yeah. is which is good. I, I I want that. It's and I love it, but it's the opposite way of how Godzilla twenty fourteen has Juliette <laughs> Binoche and Brian Cranston in the marketing, and then they do nothing. Well, it's it's because they then follow it up with interesting characters, right? Like right, I, right. I think it's you know most folks can can get on Sydney's side and, oh, and yeah. very much I mean, invested in her story. I mean, if if Neff Campbell was the star of. 2014 Godzilla. That would be great. Uh, we might be we might be working on something here. I I like Aaron Taylor Johnson, guys. I I really like him. I'm not. It's just like, but it's like in. Yeah. The, I think in this like, Sydney is a really well realized character. Uh, yeah. And immediately it's like, okay, the, I do understand now that this is our protagonist, and she's great, and she is like, immediately she kind of in the in the first encounter she has with the. Uh, Ghostface Killer, she like is more uh sort of aware of her surroundings and figuring out what to do to avoid like she's challenging the situation and like quickly realizes that it's a situation she has to address in some way, as opposed to like Drew Barrymore kind of is playing along and is like, Oh, this is just some silly prankster and it takes her a while to like figure out what's going on with the killer where Nev Campbell is immediately like because she has the trauma of her mother getting killed she's immediately kind of on the defense uh, and challenging the the killer on the phone. Um, and so I feel like she's effective right away and, and works really well uh, as opposed to, you know, Aaron Taylor Johnson. He's, he's fine, but you don't, you don't immediately be like, Oh man, what a great character. That Aaron Taylor Johnson has crafted for the screen here. <laughs> he's, he's soldier man. He is, what are you he talking is a about? soldier and no, no, I, Soldier Man's a bit... I think that adds a bit too much nuance to his character. We'll just call him Soldier Guy. He's Soldier Guy, yeah. Yeah, I think that's better. Yeah. And he's fine. Um, But uh, in in the age-old debate of who is better, Aaron Taylor Johnson in Godzilla <laughs> 2014 or Neff Campbell in the Scream franchise, yeah. I the answer is Ken Watanabe. I mean. the, that is correct. <laughs> now, if Ken Watanabe was the uh, star of Scream, now we have now a movie. We'd be talking. <laughs> He did play a character named Gun in uh, Tampopo in 1985, so he's go. got the credentials. Uh, <laughs> I love him. Um, Aaron Taylor Johnson was didn't play a singing uh, diner owner in Reefer Madness, so check and mate. Um, I enjoy <laughs> in the film. I also like the credit song is good. Uh, I like that tune. I like that this movie has a lot of songs that I didn't know already which is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Kevin Williamson, who wrote this, I believe he created the Vampire Diaries TV show. So hmm. I don't know if that means that, like, I should watch the Vampire Diaries TV yeah, show. Probably not. I don't think I'm going to. Alex, you like Legacies, I know, but did you ever well, watch the you, original? 
do you mean he like show ran it or developed it? Because those are based on books. I yes. He he worked on it. He made it. Yeah, he, he wrote the books. Yeah, wrote the books. Developed the show. He also created Game of Thrones. <laughs> he was he was a writer on the show and an executive producer. It looks like so. Well, there you go. I, th- I, th- yeah, I think he's he too, was, uh... like, kind of the brainchild behind it. Um. So, the fun fact: um, my sister likes watching really, really bad um, fantasy shows like Vampire Diaries, um, and and she will occasionally just like word vomit just knowledge about these shows onto me um so i've absorbed a lot this is how i learned what twilight was <laughs> one one mm-hmm. day i i was watching iron man of all things and literally <laughs> it always the third starts act, with iron man the third act started she entered the room and i don't know how we got there but like an hour later i was told i i had the entire story of twilight in my brain mm-hmm. i love that Point being, if you want some advice on whether or not you should watch Vampire Diaries, ask her. She'll probably say, don't do it. Well, get her on the podcast. We'll do a Vampire Diaries episode. Yeah. We'll be good. Well, she explains or it to us. Twilight again. Yeah. Or Iron Man again. Yeah. We, do, we have options. Or the original. We have options. Yeah, you know, the whole thing. Black Lightning. Huh. I think uh. that <laughs> that would be fun. And I would love to see Nev Campbell fight Godzilla. I bet she'd win. Yeah. So apparently after Kevin Williamson wrote this, um, because it's uh, Dimension Pictures and unfortunately it's the Weinstein brothers, but setting that aside, um, they immediately pulled him in to do rewrites on H2O. I can't remember if I mentioned that on that episode, but I think you can kind of see some of the sprinkles of that, of his work in there. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Although obviously it's not as effective. I know that he and Craven come back for the sequel and I like that this movie. Craven the Hunter? Yeah, Craven the Hunter. Um, Aaron Taylor Johnson? Weirdly, yes. <laughs> Alex is so excited. <laughs> I'm no, I'm not. Ups- I'm not excited. I'm upset. I have not <laughs> seen you this animated since No Time to Die's like third trailer came out. <laughs> oh my goodness! Way back in 2014. Yeah, back when Alex was in middle school and he first heard about. No time to die. You know, in some episodes, we refer to just like a few years ago as, oh, he was in middle school. Sometimes we're like, I'm 76. I mean, it's whatever. <laughs> we kind of go off of spirituality at sometimes. Like, well, yeah, it, uh, it's a loose people. timeline. It's like the, the X-Men movies, okay? Yeah. The third trailer from, or tr- third trailer for No Time to Die from 1987 <laughs> when uh, Pierce Brosnan was still supposed to be uh, right. James Bond in that film. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was once told that I someone thought I was younger than I am because of, quote, my whole character, mm-hmm. as they just sort of did a general gesture at me. So anyway, anyways, you know, uh, continuing much like vampires, saying, we are different ages than you would expect about uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Kevin Williamson coming back for right the coming back for the sequel. And <laughs> frequently I'm the guy who's like, do we need does this thing need a sequel, blah, blah, blah. This movie front loads it so much, and they're always like, gotta be in the sequel. These days, you gotta have a sequel. Mm-hmm, I wanna be mm-hmm. in the sequel. I love it. I love it. Layer mm-hmm. it on. Just put it on the cake. I'm gonna eat it. That was one thing I was kind of disappointed by, actually, with just how the movie ended. Sure. Um, It ends very abruptly. And, you know, knowing that there are sequels, I think it's fine. But particularly the thread with... Sydney kind of coming to the realization that she's repressed some of her memories about what happened to her mother. Yeah. And she may have wrongfully convicted Leif Schreiber's character. Sure. That does not yeah. get paid off that's, at the end. That's true. And also, uh, Dewey does not 
I think, realize anything's happened to his sister by the end of the movie. Right. I think so, yeah. So he hasn't had to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, the you know, we get to the end, they kill... They they kill the killers, and then Gail does a little monologue, a little, a little broadcast to everyone, you know, and every you know you got the police and all the firemen and the medics and everything behind her at the house, and that's it, the movie just kind of yeah. stops. Which I mean, it doesn't overstay its welcome, sure, but pay off all of your, you know, your subplots that you have set up, right? Well, clearly Schreiber's contract was like, uh. We're going to shoot you with a camera that uh, can only do 240p, (laughs) and you only get four seconds of screen time, so... Yeah. uh, That's that's all we can do there. We'll have to use Aaron Taylor Johnson as your body double if we need to use you for anything (laughs) else. He's about 13 years old. Yeah. Um, That's less than ideal. I I do want to talk about the actual, like, chase sequences when the Mm -hmm. killer has entered the house and like is actually trying to attack the victim um because i think this movie does something that i still don't see very much in horror films and i mean they talking about scary movie um i do think they make a joke about that um being that the killers are actually not always great on their feet they they sometimes slip they make mistakes they get hit and they fall over right Mm -hmm. um there's a whole gag in one of the scary movies where i think anna faris's character is just like throwing more and more ridiculous things down some stairs to to knock the guy over um like she starts with like a bowling ball and then like a bicycle and then like a full bookcase you know stuff like that um but i really like that in this movie (laughs) (laughs) aaron taylor johnson Craven the Hunter. Oh. Um, and then it's, it, but it's somehow like it works in this context. I, I feel like it's so easy for that to become a joke. Yeah. But it somehow doesn't. And I can't quite put my finger on why. I Yeah, I think. And, and obviously all works when you realize there's just a couple of dumb teens doing this. Yeah. But also, I feel like it's this weird thing where humanizing that, that entity in that moment makes it more scary in a way. Yeah. And I know I've been talking about how I didn't find it scary, but that's not the point. Because with Michael Myers, they're always trying to make out like he's invincible and he's, you know, all these mystical things kind of. And, and they shot him six times. And they shot him six times. Right. And Freddy Krueger is actually magic of some in some way. Mm-hmm. And that when you see like, oh, this is just a person who can get knocked over, that's when you realize this is very like on our level. This is... This takes place in our world. These are this is a person who can fall over, which means they are choosing to kill someone. This is not yeah. they're not possessed by Pazuzu or something. Like they are yeah. coming after And the, and it's like they're not Yeah, they can be stopped and they they might be clumsy, but that also means they have a knife and if they get you, they will kill you. Right. It, there's not gonna be sort of a uh protective yeah. script armor. I mean Plot armor is a term that I hate, but like in a horror movie, you kind of have to find ways to help your characters escape. Yeah. Whereas this is like, Killish is going to come after you, and if they get to you, they're going to kill you. And it's it's a physical fight where they have a knife and they will try and murder you. Like yeah. it's there. There's not going to be you know an easy last second thing where you realize you can sneak out the balcony or whatever the whatever they do in those Halloween movies. Uh, you know, 
shoot him six times, etc. Right. They put some stones on the ground and and they they disable Michael. Correct. <laughs> they 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 make him reboot. I um I like that this movie they lay out the whole thing about the final girl because she's a virgin she's smart enough to outsmart the killer because virgins don't die and that whole thing I like that Sydney has sex and then still outsmarts the killer and mm-hmm. wins like I like that that joke or not joke that that subversion um yeah. a joke I do like there's an episode of Boy Meets World it's like a Halloween episode and they end up in like a slasher movie kind of scenario. And there's a part where one of them says, wait, virgins won't die. And Sean's older brother goes, I'm dead. And uh, Eric goes, I'm dead. And Sean goes, I'm going to be as sick as you can without actually dying. Which I think is such a good joke. I think that's so good. <laughs> I love that. So, uh, yeah, fun. time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Playing chicken I mean, with the podcast. I mean, there's really nothing to follow up with after that. I know. We're all just in stitches we, over here like that. Are we starting a Boys Meet, Boys Meet World podcast? Boys, Boys Meet. Boys. I think you just named it. <laughs> Boy, Boys Meet World. There you go. <laughs> all right. But I like the idea. I think that's a good podcast name to save for the podcast where we introduce ourselves to everyday, everyday items yeah. that <laughs> people aren't aware of. It's like, <clears throat> so this is a lamp, huh? <laughs> Interesting. Well, today we're talking about a stapler. Did you know? Windows. What? I like it. It's like 99% invisible meets everything is alive. Meets our <laughs> stupid brains. I have What's a pop heard tab? of any of those podcasts. I talk about 99% invisible in most of our conversations because <laughs> I want to show off how smart I am. Mm-hmm. Everything is alive is creepy. Um, that's There, I said it. Sorry, Radiotopia. I apologize. Um, man, I got nervous criticizing that podcast just now. Because they're gonna hear it and find me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're gonna come back next week, and our new co-host will be Aaron Taylor Johnson. <laughs> and... Will he be doing the Scottish accent from Kingsman, or will he just be using his normal British accent? Maybe he'll alternate. I mean, we don't know his Craven accent. Oh, that's yet. true. And I don't uh, want to know. And there's Yar, it's so- me, Craven the Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope. Um, but also, there's his Quicksilver accent. Uh, oh, sure, sort of. like this. Hi, it's me, Quicksilver. <laughs> Time in a bottle. Anyway, goodbye. Right. Uh, Scream is a good movie. It is. Uh, and we were talking about things. The I think the ending. Uh, I, it feels like this could have a cliffhanger kind of like. Oh, here's a tease for the sequel because again we're we're aping other movies, um, and I think it does work because the uh, they they have the reference of like all right this is the part where the killer would like try to make one more desperate uh, kind of jump out at and, and do a scare and then you have to stop him for the last time, um, and that's when uh, Billy jumps back up and Sydney shoots him in the head. Or something. No, she does. It's so good. Yeah. Billy Billy um, has to get the, shot a couple times to fully die, but I like that yes. Sydney gets the headshot. Uh and, and she says, Not in my movie. Yeah. I kind of almost wish she just shot him without him jumping up. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wish that she just was like, Psh, not in my movie. No, um, no, no. She she takes one shot 
pauses and then just unloads the whole magazine into him. <laughs> this is the part where the killer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like that. I think that is like, it's a good character beat. And also it is like, again, fun addressing the trappings of the genre. Um, and I like the way Stu dies. There's everyone's getting stabbed and shot a bunch of times, but Stu's final ending is he, he stumbles over and then, uh, Nev Campbell pushes a big, heavy 1996 TV onto his head and crushes yeah. him. Yeah, but the the it's showing the original Halloween, and yes. the shot that is coming towards him is Jamie Lee Curtis holding the knife towards the camera. Mm. So it's like she stabbed him with electricity. It's great. Mm-hmm. Great. But before that, I I do like when um Billy stabs him, and he's just kind of like leaning over on the table. It's like. Man, I think I'm gonna die. I'm bleeding now. Yeah. Well, that's a joke. I feel kind of funny. It's so funny because they both are like, "We each have to stab each other so that it looks like we are survived victims." Like, no, we have to keep stabbing each other, right? Over and over well, there's, again. Yeah, there's a good like. Uh, you, I like that entire reveal scene, uh, where the two of them are kind of being like, "Oh yeah, we're partners in crime. We're totally doing this." We got this great plan worked out where we're going to stab each other and that's going to get us exonerated from do- having done any of this. We've captured your dad, which is a good, like, I like that that comes back around and that's the payoff of that missing thread of what's going on with your dad. They've captured him, so they're going to frame him because uh, they that's a great sort of alibi or um, motive for him to have done it is for him to have snapped on the anniversary of killing his wife or his wife dying. Um, and so then they have this antagonistic sort of uneasy vibe between the two of them as they're working through the plan and as they're talking with Sydney and, uh, Stu lets Sydney escape and, uh, Courtney Cox gets the gun from the table. And so it, as they're kind of, feeling the the plan fall apart, they get more angry at each other. And some of that comes across in uh, Billy stabbing Stu. It's kind of like, oh, is he going farther because he now is like frustrated with Stu and he doesn't really want Stu to survive. And like, uh, I think that that works really well to create these uh, very like chaotic, uh, upsetting villains uh, who who don't really know exactly what they want, uh, and and that makes it that much more freaky. Because again, it's the human thing of oh, these are just dudes yeah. who totally have lost their their minds, and you pretty much just have to kill them to stop them. It is one of those funny things where I I feel like they came up with we're gonna stab each other. That was the first thing that they yeah. planned on. <laughs> Because that is one of those things where you're like, okay, if you used like 10 more seconds and a little more brain power, I feel like you could come up with a different solution as the end game for this. Then sure. we're going to stab each other and that's that'll be our alibi. I feel mm. like they could be like, there was a party and they needed more drinks. So we went to go get some or some ice right. or, you know, yeah. or they just run away because they were doing fine. They could have just shot Sydney and left. <laughs> like. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I thought that was uh, obviously you can go with okay, they're just crazy or whatever. But I really like the idea of oh no 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 they, that that was 
their sole focus was just got, we're gonna stab we, each we other really and it's gonna be awesome about stabbing yeah it's like beavis and butt <laughs> a little bit a little bit <laughs> is that why this movie has waned a little bit for you alex is because you've seen beavis and butthead do the universe and you're like well now i know the ultimate i mean once you've Stu done the universe mm-hmm. i mean yeah billy and Stu can hold no candle <laughs> Ah, uh, that's a good movie. That's a very good movie. Thank you for reminding me of it. <laughs> Anytime, buddy. <laughs> Speaking of a lesser film, Scream. Um, <laughs> le- lesser cinema. Um, how many of the movies does Wes Craven direct? Is this the first two? Four, I believe. What? Yeah, the first four. Oh, that makes I, me feel yeah. good. And then he and then he passed away after the fourth one. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's right. Okay. That makes me feel good. All right. Yeah. No, it'll be be very interesting to see because this is one of those few franchises where it's like, oh, you got like the same people to make yeah the vast majority of them, right? Um, right. Particularly for a horror film, that's that's pretty yeah. wild, for sure. Cut to Halloween and whatever the heck happened there. <laughs> do you guys think you would be okay? You would do okay if a creepy person called you and was like, "We're gonna do superhero trivia." And <laughs> if you don't get it right, I'm going to kill you. Do you think you'd be okay? It's yes or no. Is, I like to is, think. Is, is it would... literally just superhero trivia? Are there any strings attached? Is 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 like is, you is, get is it somebody wrong, you like? Die. I like okay. to think I could turn this around so that the killer then is like on their back foot, like, oh crap! I don't I don't know <laughs> when uh, Nova's first appearance. Uh, <laughs> well and then and then i can turn it and and make him the hunted (laughs) this this is tyler's super villain villain origin (laughs) story turns out there was a prank call that went horribly wrong but yeah no britain the reason i was asking was like do i have like a loved one outside who's like tied up and probably gonna die first or you know am, am i in the exact same situation I think you guys would both do fine, is what I'm saying. I think they would ask you, like, where's the spirit? When the spirit? Well, what are his you know, powers? And Alex is like, a tie. And then he wins. Well, you know what? You know what, Britain? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this around on you. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pull a Tyler here, and I'm going to turn the game around. The game's on you now. Dog. Uh, you're in the same situation, but it's a question about musicals. Oh, yeah. How do you fare? <laughs> probably. It depends on what era. If they want to talk to me about hair, I'd probably... Don't ask me about Oklahoma. Um, I wouldn't do very well with the most recent uh, seasons of, of Broadway. I haven't been paying as much attention. Um, um, I do think this is one of those situations where the movie is too good, and we don't really have a whole lot yeah. to say about it, aside from it's really good. Yeah, I mean, we have talked for an hour. So. Uh, well, I'm, how long was our Love and Thunder episode? Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I think ultimately... Uh, it it just is. It's it's it is one of those where it's incredibly effective, and I think we can we can identify where it is effective. Uh, but it's it's hard to do any better than what the movie is already doing. Um, I give it an A plus. I I think it is a just like it, it is one of those movies that I think is perfect at what it is trying to do. It it does exactly what it sets out to do. Um. 
I don't know good, why. Good I don't know why I'm going flat A and not A plus, but I'm going to do A for now. I might end up coming back and giving it an A plus, but I'll stick with A for right now. I think it's very, very, very good. I will uh, stick by my uh, standard uh, operating procedure of being uh, Captain Buzzkill. I'm going to give it mm-hmm. an A minus, mm-hmm. which means I think it's the worst movie ever. Of yeah. course. Um, you did give Lightyear the highest grade out of the three of us. <laughs> yeah, how did that happen? I don't know. I still don't get it. And I was there. <laughs> I was there. I saw it all. Well, you just you you have the score sheet. Tyka's character had a pen. You related. You, it was important for you to see yourself mm. on screen. I mean, mm-hmm. really, I felt represented. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> God. Um. But yeah, I think uh, it's. If they had maybe a little bit more in the end, maybe I'd feel a little bit better about it. And like I said, just kind of subsequent watches and having seen more modern horror films, it's kind of a lot. It's lost a little bit of the freshness for me, but it's still quite good. Yeah, it's kind of like when you see the thing that originated so many other things. Right. It's easy to be like, some of that impact is going to be lost on you because you've seen all the things it influenced. Right. I mean, it's, I'm it's also the same a... as... I was just going to say, it's the same thing as something like John Carter, yeah. um, which I know, Britain, you and I both adore, but like people watching that after they've seen Star Wars or yeah, Avatar yeah. or anything that has sprung up since John Carter, yeah. they're probably going to look at John Carter and be like, oh, that's not interesting. And yeah. that's why it bombed. <laughs> right. Uh, I am also a notorious Cabin in the Woods hater. So Are you? Not a, my, my actual take is that I remember watching it once, like, probably six years ago at this point, and I did not really like the ending. Sure. So sure. maybe I'd watch it again, and it would work better. Yeah. I'd be interested. I've been meaning to rewatch that one. I remember really liking it, but I'd be interested to hear your potential new thoughts. Uh, hey, talking of musicals and my knowledge of them, I did actually watch a movie this week. I watched the film adaptation of the Broadway show Kiss Me Kate. This is from 1953, I want to say. It doesn't star Gene Kelly. Um, well, what's even the point? Yeah, no, I was a little uncomfortable with the whole movie. Um, (laughs) I, I will say I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm recommending the movie so much as like acknowledging that I saw it because a lot of the movie doesn't work for me. I think it changes a bunch of stuff from the show. It cuts out a song I really like. And the show is not something that I'm crazy about because me Kate anyway, but, uh, it does star the great Ann Miller, who I think is one of the best dancers of that era of hollywood she was amazing modern more contemporary movie fans would recognize her from mulholland drive as i believe she was naomi watts's landlady um Hmm. so she's cool and like not spooky but like ominous in that and she's an amazing just a truly phenomenal dancer watch on the town that's a better showcase for her um like tony rawl is is in kiss me kate uh howard keel is is good and Brush Up Your Shakespeare is performed by Keenan Wynn and James Whitmore, so that's fun. Um, but it, the, the nice thing that it is, it kind of spun me out to other things. Like, it made me watch a clip from The Muppet Show where Christopher Reeve tries to do the Hamlet soliloquy and Fozzie keeps interrupting him. And then they sing Brush Up Your Shakespeare with Link Hogthrob and a skull. That's just good times. I love Christopher Reeve. <laughs> um, and I revisited the 2000 revival, Broadway revival, of Kiss Me Kate, starring Brian Sucks Mitchell, who is phenomenal, and Mary Mazzy, who's great. And that's real that's a really good album. Um and yeah, it's 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 fine. Like I like the movie. I am still on my old old movie kick, 
clearly still still going through that because um, it's just delightful. And this, this this has some nice moments. There's some nice choreography. Bob Fosse has a role in it, which is wild and, and fun to see Bob Fosse as a performer um, and not a balding choreographer uh, damaging his, his life and others. <laughs> the Fosse Verdon miniseries is great, and I do recommend that. That's tremendous. Uh, but yeah, I guess I recommend Stuff Connected to Kiss Me Kate, the album, some of the movie, and a skit from The Muppet <laughs> Show. I uh, I hope this trend continues until you eventually just recommend the the original uh, train film that freak people out <laughs> <Yeah>. in theaters. <laughs> the, is that Great Train Robbery or is that? I think it's just that? called what? like Train or something. Train, yeah. It's called Drops yeah. of Jupiter. No, yeah, yeah, it's. I think it. it, it <laughs> great Train Robbery is something else, but yeah. Okay. We are qualified to do recommend this both those things. Podcast. Yeah. Alex, do you want to talk about the band Train? I mean, I could talk about the band train. Go off, sister, soul sister. <laughs> no, it, it no. That's 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 a funny kind of segue. Um, yeah, we've started. No, because we've started recommending music on this. Podcast, okay, okay, and okay. I have music. Oh, okay. I was oh, like, no. wait a minute. All right. <laughs> I don't. We, we, I don't. I won't be recommending the band Train, although I like them probably far more than I should. I don't know. Well, um, I like soul sister. Uh, uh, my my new favorite band, the Beths. Uh, they're an indie mm-hmm. rock New Zealand group. I've mentioned them to you before off the podcast. Um, they released a new album called Expert in a Dying Field. Um, and good it's name. really good. Okay. I like their music. If you like indie rock stuff, you will probably like them. That is a good album title. That You are you are selling me on this. Yeah. I would say um, for each of their albums, try the title track. And if you're interested in that, then um, you'll probably like the rest of their music. Okay. Like, I think those are good kind of um, litmus tests for, for how you're going to feel about the rest of it. Um, but yeah, I like the Beths. I regularly listen to like all of their songs. So that's awesome. They're a band that I listen to. Where I'm like, <clears throat> no, I like all of their music. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to bleed out. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just so good. It's just so good. Tyler, what you got? Uh, I don't really have anything to recommend. I You don't want to recommend the music-based thing you watched? Yeah, I did watch Sing 2. I'm not... I don't, <laughs> it's not really a recommendation of mine. Um, I mean, not? if you want to see Bono be an old lion, then... Turn on the news. <laughs> oh, yeah, because Bono, you know, yeah. he's really making the headlines these days. He's a correspondent. <laughs> I, guess, I guess for Sing 2, <laughs> He's a cor- his correspondent yeah. for the CBC, which is weird, but <laughs> uh, I if I knew more U two songs, I can try and come up with a joke about that. Uh, but I don't. I know uh, one. Am I going to be put on the spot to to name off? Some no, no, no. That's the no. one. There's a song J- called One. Is one. the name of the U2. oh okay. Yeah. Jeez. All right, and you're supposed to be the YouTube. You would get killed by the YouTube killer. I mean, I would. <laughs> <laughs> all they, I, they'd all catch I know you is, with a trick question. All I know is the song off the Batman Forever soundtrack. That's all I got. Sure. <laughs> and the thing uh, that was mass downloaded on everyone's iPhones. Yeah. Right. Anyways, <laughs> um, the mind control device. Yes. The mind uh, control device. <laughs> I I don't know if I really have. I did actually finish. 
uh, my collection of uh, the Age of Apocalypse comic book event. Ooh. Uh, the 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 OG kind of not the first apocalypse story from the X-Men is probably five years after he first showed up. Um, but it's like the big feature, uh, timeline deal where, uh, Legion goes back in time and kills Xavier when he's trying to kill Magneto and it creates a dark dystopian future where apocalypse rises up and, uh, it's very nineties. It's very, uh, like of the times and the style, really comes across that way in both kind of the writing and the drawing in a lot of cases, but it's a neat thing. Uh, and that is the thing I liked. I wouldn't really recommend like tracking down the book cause it's a big, it's a big chunky collection uh, of, of comics that is fairly expensive. Um, but I would say Marvel unlimited, maybe I'll say Marvel unlimited is my recommendation. I've been recommending beta Ray bill. Go, go get Marvel unlimited Read yourself some Age of Apocalypse. Read yourself some Beta Ray Bill, uh, and uh, enjoy. So, Tyler, does does it make you um, hate X Men Apocalypse even more having read the source <laughs> material? It kind of is just so not even in the same ballpark. That it's sort of like how, like I think some people have a a real dislike for the the movies and i probably at the time we were talking about them was like frustrated by this but like looking back on um dark phoenix and x-men the last stand uh i feel like those movies are so far off from doing anything close to the actual dark phoenix storyline that it's not even it's not like oh wow they ruined it it's like they didn't even try it's not the same (laughs) you're just using the name uh so it it is just such a different thing. I it it mostly frustrates me in that we had Oscar Isaac as Apocalypse and they screwed that up and that's definitely not gonna come back, I don't think. <laughs> so Fair. Never say never, I guess, but that and that really does make me mad because they have the uh behind the scenes uh footage of the like mask they originally wanted to try for that and it actually looks like Apocalypse. Yeah. And then they were like, No, let's change it. Let's make it worse. That would be the one thing that does frustrate me. Yeah. Uh, nobody sent us any memes for me to describe, and I'm very upset about this. I would like people to... It doesn't... I don't care what the content is. <laughs> Send me memes. Uh, within reason. I might filter it out, uh, depending on yeah. what we get. Uh, I can verbally filter it out, I guess. I don't know. Sure. I'm not... It's not a visual medium. I can... You know, yeah, describe you anything true. And there are they are telling secrets in this meme. <laughs> uh, um, but if uh, if you want me to describe your meme or a meme that you have found, please send it to me uh, through here come the sequels at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at HCT sequels. Uh, you can find us on here come the sequels.blogspot.com. We are on all sort of podcast available uh, download places, <laughs> things that you put a podcast on. We are there. Uh, give us a like and subscribe and do do say we're five stars. Uh, give us the gold stars. We crave gratification. Uh, help us go viral. Help us go viral. Um, like it's 2009. Yeah, I want to be on the Tonight Show. <laughs> Get us on Ellen. Get us on Ellen. 
<laughs> Do you think Drew Barrymore would have us on her show to talk about Scream? Yeah. Probably, right? Yeah. Get us on Drew Barrymore's show, which I did not know existed yeah, day- <laughs> until now, but I'm assuming... daytime talk show. Yeah. Get on I can there. probably... I can, I can make paella, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's segment. only, like, so much, you know, you can, like... At a certain point, you're going to have so many bits on a daytime talk show. It's like, and they'll just be us for the day. Like, you'll just rotate somewhere along, <laughs> somewhere along the way. You, you're gonna, you're gonna have an empty slot. You know, you're gonna have a cancellation. Yeah, to, Harry like, Connick can't make it. You know, so you, right. you, you get the sequel boys. Yeah, uh, and we'll talk about Scream. That'll be good. Man, that so would be that, fun. <laughs> that would have really, really liked the part where they killed you in Scream. I thought it was really good. <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoyed watching it happen. <laughs> and when, when we've made it to the big leagues, boys, when we're on the Drew Barrymore show mm-hmm. or whatever it's called, boys truly will meet world. I've been Alex. I've been Tyler. I've been Britain. And you, world, are having a good night.